0: Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message.
1: Good morning, church. How are you doing? Why don't you turn to the person around you and um, give them a look, give them a smile, give them a grin, and that will be fantastic. The host team are really passionate about this seat. I've moved it two times this morning. But they want me to sit in it so bad, they want me to sit down. But I'm not going to, no matter how hard they try. I'm making the camera guy work right now, having to move the camera. There you go, Ryan. And we're going to sit over here. If I really get tired, I'll come. I'll sit over here and I'll have a little bit of a relax. But you guys can sit. You're the lazy ones, not me. So, who reckons we should stand up for the whole service? No, you would complain. You would complain. You would go somewhere else. I know you. Okay, so if you're new with us, my name is Joel. I am one of our pastors here at Celebration Church. Um, It is good to see your faces. You look gorgeous. Take it in. Look around. Admire it. You are beautiful. Okay, this is a very weird introduction to what's happening. But if you're new with us, a huge welcome. Please stick around after the service. We love new people. They're our favorite type of people because they're not weird yet. They don't smell. They haven't offended us. New people are our favorite type of people. So please stick around after the service. We'd love to get to know you. Not too much. Because then you're no longer a new person and you're just a person. A huge welcome to everyone watching on YouTube, our podcasters. It is great that you are with us this morning. In a moment, I'm going to get Angela uh, Watson up here. Um, But just before that, we have so many things coming up in the life of church. And it is not for the sake of church. It's for the sake of you. Um, I encourage you continue to get connected in in this season. Continue not to let yourself be isolated by yourself, waiting out 2020, believing that 2021 is going to be any different. Um, I pray that you would utilize this season to be more like Jesus and to reach people far from Jesus. So it is good. Uh, Pastor Bernard and Charlie send their love, um, they're on annual leave at the moment, they get a little break, which is fantastic, so I'll be sharing with us over the next couple of weeks. Next Sunday is Pastor Nat and Keza's 10-year wedding anniversary, so they'll be off on some massage tour, I don't know, 100 massages over the weekend, I don't know what you do, but... Um, But may the Lord protect you. Um, So I'm going to be sharing over the next few weeks. Next Sunday, um, uh, Mark Maharib, sorry, Mark Maharib, Gave C.S. Lewis a shout out. Um, one of C.S. Lewis's best books is *Mere Christianity*. Next Sunday, um, the the sermon title is *Mangled Christianity*. So come along to that. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, in preparation, I encourage you go to Google Images and type in the word *mangled* and see what happens. Um, please do not. But now you will. Don't do it right now. Talking to you, Kimmy, who just reached for her phone. <laughs> perfectly timed. <laughs> um it's very medical so try your best not to do that in church because we don't have any spew buckets today okay Uh, i'm going to be sharing with us i can't handle them on the stage they're looking at me from weird different angles can i get the band to get off the stage is that okay can i get you to sit somewhere else it's just creeping me out Do you ever feel like someone just standing behind you looking at you? Imagine that happening, five people just looking at you. So let's give the band a hand. Thank you. You'll be back in a moment. Um, Find a seat. I'm sure there's room where you can, I don't know, wait in the green room for you to come back, and that'll be good as well. Uh, This morning, I want to be bringing us around a word called faulty foundations. Faulty foundations and being someone that is building useful houses. I'm sure Angela is going to appear in a moment. Yes, there she is. Uh, Why don't we put our hands together and welcome Ange up? Come on, Ange. I'm sure a microphone will appear. I'm sure a mic's going to appear somewhere. Events, events is just on it. Just drop a mic. Oh, there's a mic for Ange. Um, one of my roles in our church is I oversee um, the connects, which means I oversee demographics. And over the next few weeks, we're going to have a different demographic leader coming up and letting us know what's happening in their demographic. And if you can't read, um, we'll pray for you after the service. But Ange's shirt says Celebration Kids. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um and, Ange, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on in kids, what's coming up? Um, of course. So good.
0: Awesome. I'm Hi. very tall. Or do look I just look toy. really short? 1.5,
1: 1.5. <laughs> um, but over to you, Ange. Let us know what's going <laughs> on in kids.
0: Do I look really short? Hi, everyone. Oh, it's so lovely to see all your faces. How good does church look this morning? Lovely. It
1: looks lovely. You look
0: so good. It's so good to see you. <laughs> So, uh, Kids is amazing. And if you're not, um, if you haven't already seen how incredible the playground is, which has been such an incredible thing that our church has done. It's incredible. My favorite
1: um, part is the fence. I like how it comes down and goes back up. It's, it's interactive. Amazing. It's amazing. It's an interactive <laughs> fence. It costs extra money. Yes, we so love it.
0: I head up kids, if you're not sure, with my amazing husband. So we have the honour and privilege of what I see, which is such an important ministry in our church, of raising the next generation and the next generation to be strong in who they are, to know Jesus and with that to do mighty exploits. And so we are just really passionate about that. We have an incredible team that head up. Amazing activities. We've just been out playing bull rush, and I'm like, not fit, so I did not run. <laughs> Everyone else is out there, like, <laughs> but um, yeah, so at the moment, what <laughs> I was like, that didn't land, guys. Sorry, I'm not funny like Josh. <laughs> so, what we're doing at the moment, which is incredible, is we're setting up strong connect groups with our kids. Which is so exciting and what we're doing is we have an older age group which is year three to year six or about year five because by year six they can start transitioning to youth and a younger age group for kindergarten to year two and also we have our babies as well. So and the heart behind that is um, that our kids will have a consistent connect leader um, that will be on with them twice each um, month which will be fantastic to build those connections um, to get that I guess that connection and that relationship with a connect leader um, and to just form those relationships with their own age group as well because we know that like for a church family we want our kids to feel you know they've got friends they've got um, those connections and then we're going to believe to build that out into our community that's our heart is to see kids of this area know and encounter Jesus and this is Is a way that we can begin and then from that grow and do Connect outreaches with our Connect groups and just see God move so powerfully in our city and our nation, which is what we as a church are believing for. So keep praying for us, please. We need your prayers. Um, Pray for our kids as well. We want to see them encounter Jesus. We want to see them know Jesus, have a relationship with Him and also feel so empowered in their own identity, to be who they are in the kingdom. I'm so passionate about them not waiting until they're in youth or till they're an adult or till, you know, they're married before they can actually do something for Jesus, that they have the same Holy Spirit. You know, they're able to see their schools change, their families change, this area change. And so be praying for our kids that they'll be so empowered to live out their kingdom identity with such strength with such passion and with such a devotion to Jesus. So we're excited and God's doing incredible things. Yes. That's enough.
1: How awesome is Ange? MVP, one of the best. Um, let's continue to be praying, believing for the next generation. If you're a parent, um, At school, um, you have to have a certain amount of attendance to pass. Uh, Don't let your kids fail um, their spiritual journey. Um, Keep on making sure that they're connected, growing, moving forward. Um, I love our kids ministry, our youth ministry. They are teams that are passionate about those demographics and really believing for growth in those areas. So if you're struggling with your kids or your youth, I encourage you, let a youth leader or a kids leader get involved and be tag teaming so that... Your young people, when they hit uh, high school or university, have a spiritual foundation that has been built over years of God encounters um, so that they can weather the storms. And that'll be fantastic. Okay, so this morning we're going to be talking about faulty foundations and building useful houses. In a moment, I will pray. But when I'm talking about useful houses, I'm simply thinking about when it comes to your life, you as a person, if you were a house, are you useful or the opposite of useful? Useless. (laughs) When it comes to us being a place where both God's presence can fill and both The presence of people is common, that people would encounter heaven in your life. Um, How are we doing and how are we doing at addressing the faulty foundations that will limit and will destroy the house that God wants to build with your life? Um, Me and Alex have recently, over the last few months, moved into the first home that we have built um, and We'd, we were there from the plans to the day that we moved in to the day three months in where we realized we never really needed that room um, and that should have more storage over there and there's not enough lighting in that area. Um, and I want to encourage us today to maybe examine the house that we are building and maybe evaluate, um, are we sticking to the plan that God has for us are we staying on the floor plan? Is the structure good? Is the interior nice? Uh, are we the kind of house that people will encounter God, or people will simply encounter your opinion? Our use is, um, our use as Christians is is very very simple. It is to be filled. With God and then carry God to people. It is to encounter heaven in such a way that people will look at our lives, encounter our Creator and then have their lives transformed. They are not independent things. It is not your job to just encounter Jesus and have His presence. It is your job to do that in a way that people will encounter Him too. So, are you ready to get into this thing? It's incredibly sad um, when Christians build useless houses where they work on rooms that no one will ever enter, where they will focus on topics and thoughts and dramas that in the scheme of eternity don't matter. It's been said before, if like you won't be stressed about it in five years, don't be stressed about it today. If it won't be important in the scheme of eternity, don't spend your time doing it today. So it, it, it's frustrating um, often... Uh, When I see Christians, when I see people build houses that are no longer for the use of bringing heaven to earth or bringing people to heaven. So, I hope today, as we examine some faulty foundations, I'm going to give you four simple ways to ensure that we are being and building a useful house and repairing faulty foundations before the whole thing gets off plan. Does that sound good this morning? I want to pray for us because we all desperately need Jesus Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here, that you're in this place, every single person watching on their lounge rooms or wherever they are, that you are there. This morning or this afternoon, tonight, when everyone is listening to this, I pray that uh, we be aware that your grace is with us, that your presence is with us, that we don't simply need to jump through hoops, that you are empowering us to be your church, empowering us to do a purpose in this earth. I pray as we come around some simple scriptures today and some simple thoughts that you challenge us, that you empower us to make sure that we are addressing the faulty foundations, that we are taking a good hard look at our own lives, our own vision, our own day-to-day, that we're addressing those faulty foundations and we are eagerly listening to your voice to make sure that the house that we are building is the house that you want. May distractions fall, may popular opinions, may current events, may everything that is distracting us from hearing your voice fall to the ground, and may your church be the people on the earth that can hear God and apply God to their lives. There is no solution in the news. There is solution in your presence. There's no solution in our storms, in our drama. There is solution and revelation and truth and empowerment in you, Jesus. So have your way today. May we have a good time in your house. And God, we just say we're not afraid to get offended. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I want to give you four simple things that will help you build a useful house. Are you ready? Again, if you're a young adult, 18 to 35, 39, 44, um, we will be looking at your license and passport. So if you are over 44, we will have a bouncer and they will remove you. They will be a little 18-year-old scrawny person and they will attack you. Um, Sorry if you're 18 and scrawny. um, Maybe God will heal you. Okay. Four things ensure we're building a useful house. First thing is this, to test for toxins. When we were building our house, um, one of the things that happened is they test the soil to make sure that what was ever in the soil wasn't going to erode and decay the concrete slab, the concrete foundation that we were going to build our house on. And if it's too acidic, if there's different things going on in your soil, you have to get upgraded foundations. Otherwise, soon, probably 10, 15, 20 years, the foundation will begin to decay and be destroyed. Luckily, our soil was good, that classic South Narrow soil. Mm-mm-mm. It's no Vincenia or like Kalala. It's like salty soil. And it's like, yuck, soil. Yuck your soil. Just because you're close to the beach, your soil's disgusting, okay? Um, definitely don't have any forgiveness, unforgiveness in my heart towards those areas and their beautiful views. But you have to test for toxins when you're building a house. And when we are being a house, a useful house for Jesus, and we're making sure we don't have faulty foundations, we have to do some basic tests to make sure we get the results that we need to make sure the foundation that we're building will stand up long term. Acts 2, verse 43 and 45 gives us an image of a toxic-free culture. It says this in Acts 2, verse 43 and 45. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Everyone was filled with awe. All the believers were together, and they sold their property and possessions to give. All together give. This gives us a very clear picture of the opposite of what toxic is. This is the biggest toxic issue in the church. Are you ready for it? It's me culture. It's what I need for me. It was church convenient for me today? Is running a connect group and fighting for someone that might ultimately stab me in the back or the front, is that going to help me or is that not going to help me? And when church moves into being all of what God is doing, being united together and giving to everyone that has need, we move into a culture that means that the foundation won't crack and crumble as life happens. And sure, you can fake it for a week or two. You can join a department and serve three Sundays. (laughs) But when it comes down to it, if you have a me culture, that toxicity will decay the very thing that God is trying to build. And we have to understand if we will choose to be selfless, both towards God and people, you are making a very large statement, which is, God, I trust you with my life. I don't need to be me against the world because you are for me already. So we need to be in awe of what God is doing. We need to be united together and we need to have some actions. This gives us an image, a test if we are currently in toxic soil. The second little area when it comes to toxins is we need to be around toxin-free people. It says this in Proverbs 14, verse 7. Leave the presence of a fool. Everyone say fool. Leave the presence of a fool. Have you ever been in a conversation and someone has said, I must leave your presence, you fool? Um, If you haven't, maybe we're not applying uh, Proverbs 14, verse 7, very literally yet. Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. Everyone say knowledge, other translations of this scripture um, encourage us to avoid stupid people. The word stupid is not a non Christian word. The word stupid, I think, appears four times in the Bible. In comparison, the word hell appears 12 times. So we've got a good balance there. Stupid, pretty important topic verse okay no okay don't you know with me that's okay um we need to understand that we need to avoid foolishness and seek knowledge when it comes to the people that we are surrounding our life with or we may find we have some toxic fools speaking into our foundations and we never meet words of wisdom Knowledge is greater than information. We are in an information age. If you have an opinion, it will take you roughly 12 seconds to find someone on the internet that will affirm your opinion. Why? Because I know you think you're unique, but there's other weirdos out there too that will agree with you, okay? In a world that is filled with just a bombardment of information, we need to learn the difference between information and knowledge. Knowledge is internal. Information is external. Knowledge um, has conviction and balance. Information lacks conviction, and it is constantly warring for balance. We have... um, I was sharing on Friday night um, why the Bible is still relevant because in 2,000-ish years, um, nothing has really changed. Um, Suicide is still an epidemic. Suicide took out one of the 12 disciples. Uh, There's still issues of lust with the internet and pornography, and there's kings in the Bible with 700 wives and 300 concubines. No matter how much we think we've advanced, because now we've got a bit bit of glass in our pocket that tells us how smart we are, We are still facing the same issues in our humanity, and there's still um, ultimately a lack of knowledge when you need to Google something. Knowledge is when it has dropped on the inside of you and you are carrying something much deeper. I encourage you in this Scripture, get a concordance, look up this word in the original text, and understand the knowledge is much, much more than just repeating a video that you watched or something you heard a preacher say. Knowledge is oh read the word the word is yada in the original text go study yourself don't have time to do it because we got four points today and we see still only up on one we actually have a huge culture um, that is a sharing culture social media has normalized many cultures sharing information um, from faceless sources is one of the the worst Um, it shows Social media simply shows humanity. Again, I don't think the world is getting any worse. Yes, we've got plagues. So did Egypt. Um, we have we have the world still doing what it's doing. But one of the things that social media exposes is our willingness to share other people's information instead of actually getting involved and working out what is God's knowledge for a situation. And we have to leave the presence of foolishness to do that. Um <laughs> That sharing culture simply uh, exposes a culture that's been there forever, which is this is the latest thing to be afraid of. Um, This week, I got multiple emails about a social media platform and something that happened on it, and that something that's happened on it has been happening for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and many, many generations. We are always looking for something to be afraid of. We are currently in our culture afraid of steezers. We will always be looking for something to be afraid of, to talk about, to share about, to gossip about, to see a false witness about. And we need to stop and withdraw ourselves. I don't watch the news. I don't watch the news uh, for many reasons. The main reason, because I don't watch TV, Um, I only read the Bible. No, I'm joking. That's not true. I watched so much Law and Order that you would be amazed. Um, smash four seasons this week. Boom. That's right. That's 40 episodes. Uh, joking, it's 80 episodes. 20 a season, baby. The real Law and Order. Dun, dun. <laughs> but we have to be careful that our, our genuine pursuit of knowledge is not fulfilled by just a pursuit of information. Have you heard? Have you seen? Watch this. Check this out. Stop it. Leave the presence of it. You will not meet words of knowledge there. I was sharing with someone in church a couple of weeks ago. The, the interesting thing um, isn't it amazing how much news there is? It's astonishing. There's twenty four hour news channels. It's so much news. It well, so much information being told to me what I should be afraid of, what happened in what country, how it's going to affect me, how it's going to destroy my children, how it's going to destroy our future. We need sometimes to make sure that the loudest voice in our world as Bible believers is the voice of God, and every voice grows strangely dim compared to His voice. Because in His voice, there is faith. In His voice, there is peace. In His voice, there is hope. In His voice, there is truth. In His voice, there is knowledge. We need to seek wisdom over information. <laughs> the most important thing is not current affairs. We need to make sure we're checking our toxins. The last thing, when it comes to toxins, we need a toxin-free mindset. Let's test for this toxin. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Now, I love this. We'll go. We'll read on in a second. Whatever, it is broad there are so many things to think about that will build up your faith. There are so many things to meditate your mind on that'll make you bigger and better and more Christ-like and more encountering His presence, whatever. It's not like, don't think about anything bar this one thought. Now think about it forever. No, it, it, the, the writer here in Philippians, Paul, is giving us a very clear thing. Finally, brothers whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, praiseworthy, the Z's in there. I feel like I'm a youth right now. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The word think here in the original text means to establish logic, What it's telling us is we need to be thinking about the things of God to such a degree that it is now our logic. It is now the default of how we see and understand relationships, forgiveness, our world, our problems, our fears, our generosity, our stinginess, how it affects every area of our life. This word think here establishes pretty much how you're going to live your existence. And Paul is giving you a truth. I pray that you hear it this morning that it is toxic to do the opposite. We shouldn't be, finally, brothers, think about whatever is false, not noble, wrong, unpure, we spend so. Next week we're going to be talking about post-popular scriptures, and we're going to be looking at really popular quoted scriptures, and then we're going to be looking at the verse after them, and then we're going to understand that most of the time how we use those popular scriptures is wrong. And one of them is John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, blah 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 blah. John seventeen, that He didn't send His Son in the world to condemn the world, yet the church spends most of its time condemning. Pointing out what isn't true, what isn't noble, what isn't right, whatever isn't pure, what isn't lovely, and what isn't admirable. Whew. Mangled Christianity come next week, going be good. Everyone say, "Gum, be good. Gonna be like some nachos that Mark spent most of his offering message talking about. He spoke about it to such a degree, I thought he wanted us to give nachos to him. And I was like, is that what I do right now? I give you nachos? And he said, yes, yeah, so that's... That's good. Instead of establishing our logic from the external, let's establish our logic by thinking about the excellent and praiseworthy things that God is doing. When it comes to our mindsets, we need to be careful of what we are setting our minds upon. And it is our privilege, it is our responsibility to choose the things that we are thinking about not letting everyone else tell you what you're thinking about to you to stop and to think about them. Okay, we're coming to number two, but let's be very clear. All toxins create faulty foundations. All toxins destroy useful houses, and we need a test. We need to be aggressive. We need to be violent. We spoke about violence on Friday night and the amazing scripture in John 15, 14 about taking the kingdom by violence and the church needs to be a place that will violently encounter heaven, not just sit back apathetically, waiting for 20 years to turn to 30 years to 40 years, but instead take it by violence. All toxins create faulty foundations. Let's stop, address our mindsets, address the people in our lives, address these things so that our house stays on plan. The second thing is this, when it comes to faulty foundations, hustle for muscle. Now, I exercise three-ish times a day. I do about an hour of exercise three times a day. The fact that you are laughing is both disrespectful, <laughs> hurtful, and mean. Um, and if you're not laughing right now, um, and you're thinking this service isn't serious enough, I'm going to tickle you in a second to make you enjoy what God is doing a little bit more. I will not tickle you, I will not do that again. The incident report was filed, and I won't tickle that anymore. Okay. Hustle for muscle. When we hustle, when we work hard, we build muscle so that when the next challenge happens, we are strong enough to do it without God. When we are faithful with the season that God gave us when we were a baby, when we're an adult, we don't need milk. When we're faithful with the moment that we needed to trust, we don't need to even call upon God to help us to trust again. We need to remember what he already did and stand on our own two big feet and be like, God, you did it before, you'll do it again. I don't need to be convinced by you. I don't need to be convinced by a preacher. I'm going to hustle and work harder what God is doing so that I will continue to be built up and lacking nothing. The easy way out is not as good as the hard way in. The situations and trials and the tests that you're going through, you are supposed to be entering into them, not running back out of them. Shortcuts when it comes to your spiritual journey often become long, long, long detours. I was sharing with our youth leaders on Wednesday, there was a situation in my life where I needed to forgive someone. They hurt me hard, close friend, they were supposed to be there. 24 hours later, they didn't want anything to do with me. And it took me 10 minutes to forgive them. 10. I was just like, God, I hand it over to you. They weren't what I needed. I wasn't what they needed. I trust you. They're not the enemy right now. You're not standing on my side and not standing on their side. A lot of Christians really think that God stands on their side when other Christians think that God's standing on their side. And I think God's like, I'm not standing anywhere near you guys. God is this. And God's like, what? And I forgave this person. And because I forgave them, I didn't spend five years having to forgive them. Because I hadn't worked myself all the way back into unforgiveness. And so then be like, yeah, i am got to feel my feelings right now. i am got to vent. Someone let me vent. It's like, no, forgive them. It's, it's done. They weren't what I needed them to be. And that's fine. Because guess what? This doesn't revolve around me, God. Yeah, I'll be hurt. Yeah, I'll get over it because I'm a big boy and I got big pants and I'm big boots and I'm going to be a big boy. And I think sometimes we don't uh, experience the test and the trial well enough, and it takes years and years for us to get over our wrong response, not the wrong situation. Soon we become a victim and we are victimized in our thinking for a decade only because we took a shortcut and it ended up a very long detour. Matthew 11, verse 30 says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Does not say the journey before you is easy. It says that the yoke is easy. The word yoke, uh, sorry, the word easy here in the original text means useful. It means kind. It means gentle. It means pleasant. What God is asking you to do is kind and it is pleasant for you, it is gentle, and it is useful. What I want you to understand here is the road of a Christian is not called to be easy, but what God does through it, there is an ease that is better than the Old Testament 617 laws and hoops you had to jump through. Do not mark your body in mourning for the dead. Don't get tattoos. Or the verse after it, a lot less popular. Do not cut the sides of your beard. Watto. But Jesus here in Matthew 11 verse 30 is showing us that it is there is an ease in what He is asking us to do. But it doesn't mean that the journey will be easy. It means that God isn't making it harder for you. In Galatians 6 verse 9 it says this, Let us not become weary. In other words, it is easy to become weary. So let us not become weary in doing good. Uh, it is better to give than receive you've never received a good present. If you think that, it's better to give than receive. I think the writer of the text, Paul, just never got a good birthday present. And he wrote that and he was sad and that's what happened. When you are doing good, there is a there is a possibility and quite a likely possibility that you will grow weary in doing good. You will grow weary in doing the right thing. But it says here, let us not become weary in doing good. For the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. At the proper time, we will not reap a harvest if we give up. The word weary here is when we are negatively influenced, when we negatively influence the outcome because of an internal weakness. So what it's saying is you grow weary in doing good, not because of success or failure. What it's saying is you become weary because inside you have become weak. And that weakness that happens, uh, um, (laughs) success and failure ultimately taste pretty much the same. They don't satisfy. It doesn't matter how many successes you get on the board, there's still more to be done. I could learn more. There's a beautiful thing that we see in the life of Genesis 1 where Jesus, uh, God, the Holy Spirit, however you want to understand the Trinity in Genesis 1, gets the end of days and is like, it's good. It's good. He could have kept on working harder. There could be better things going on right now. I could be floating right now. I could have a scorpion tail that when someone says something weird to me after the service, the scorpion tail comes out and just spikes him in the head. I, God could have kept on making this thing better and better, but he understood and stopped at moments and was like, this is, this is good. So we need to understand that his yoke is easy We need to understand that sometimes doing good will make us weary. But 1 Timothy 4 verse 15 gives us a very important truth when it comes to hustle for the muscle. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly or completely to them so that everyone may see your progress. One of the fascinating things that's occurred since social media is the thing called progress photos. And what a progress photo is, is someone that is um, not their ideal weight or size takes a picture of themselves in the mirror. Then they expose all of us to it on the internet. And we have to be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then a few months later, they do the same picture in little short shorts and they make us all look at it and make us question, how did he even get on the board? Um, But what the writer is saying here in 1 Timothy is not progress photos. The word progress here means to advance, and what it actually means is it gives the image of someone that is pioneering and chopping down a forest to make a new path. And what we are challenged to do is not just sit back and wait for God to do something, but to chop down forests with our diligence so that everyone may see that we made a new way and a new place for people to encounter God. I want to challenge you in your faulty foundations today. Is there a diligence or did you build a foundation and you've been riding it for a few years now? And God's like, I never asked you to make that rumpus room. Stop rumping around in the rumpus room. I didn't ask you to do that. Maybe church, maybe you got a vibe. Maybe you looked at someone else and were like, that's really helpful for their house and I'm going to put it in my house. We need to keep on being diligent in the matters. The verses before this make it very clear of what Timothy's goal was, what Timothy's gifting was, and he had to be diligent with what he had. Give himself completely to them so that everyone may see your progress. I wonder if one of the six new people that gave their life to Jesus on Friday night walked in and looked at you today. And then walked back into church three months later. I wonder if they would see your progress. I guarantee you, if you look back at them, you'll see theirs. We don't need to stop and be like, I stop progressing now. I stop learning now. I stop growing now. I stop. Ripping up a foundation now. I stop adding on a room. I stop making adequate storage. I make lighting better in this room because when everyone comes in, there's a weird vibe and there's someone in the corner with punch and there's only one person. And okay, we don't want to get into that weird birthday party I went to once and there was one guy in the corner with punch. Pastor Benai's birthday party. You don't do the right thing to do the right thing. You do the right thing to become the right person. You keep on being diligent in the matters that God has placed you in. You keep on not growing weary and doing good. Because that hustle, that hard work builds muscle. You get very good at forgiving. You get very good at giving. You get very good at learning. Here's a thing that the church isn't very good at. Trying. Are you trying? Are you really trying? Are you trying to reach people far from Jesus? Are you getting off the highways and going to the byways, the places you don't commonly go to, or do you live at South Nara, two minutes and twelve seconds away from church, and go back and forth, go to FoodWorks and go to Bunnings, or will you go a byway? Will you see someone that is in need? Church, I want to challenge you. Keep trying. Keep stepping out. So what? You were disappointed. So what? Someone did something. Stop projecting on the next person and try. Hustle. Hustle and muscle are enemies to faulty foundations. Hustle and muscle are friends to a useful house. Number three is this. Anti-venom is in the venom. Anti-venom is in the venom. If you get bitten by a snake, you need an anti-venom. Unless it's... lolly snake Ah, I'm so happy not many of you laughed at that um, because it was a lazy joke and I didn't really put my whole heart in it and you couldn't see my progress Ooh, back to point number two impressive more specifically you need the snake to get saved from the snake in life venom is going to come your way church can I get an amen most of the time, the venom in your life is not someone loudly yelling something at you. It is your own lies dribbling out of your head, into your mouth, you spewing them back, and then you believing them. Most venom is things you have chosen to believe is true, that were venomous when they were said, but they've continued to manifest and cycle in your thinking, and then you dribble them out in your actions or your beliefs. And for us, I want us to get a, a really important um, truth today. Uh, Proverbs 12, verse 1, uh, another use of the amazing word, stupid, Um Whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is, everyone say it together, what a lovely word. Thank you, Bible. Whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. The word discipline, reproof or rebuke or argument. Whoever loves the argument, the person that disagrees with you and makes you feel like you're wrong, Whoever loves that, loves knowledge. Uh, We talked on Friday night, passive-aggressive, assertive, passive-aggressive, different ways of interacting with the people around us when we have conflict. The Scripture is not validating, um, be as aggressive as you can towards people, start an argument because you love knowledge so much. What it's saying is in the trials and in the tests and in the argument, look for knowledge. Don't look to be justified in your existence of what you believe, but instead, look for God. Love the discipline, the pushback. Don't be stupid. The church is not immune to stupidity. James 1 verse 2 to 4 Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance perseverance finish, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Love it. It tells me that I'm able to be mature and complete And it tells me that I'm able to get to a point where I lack nothing. Um, One of the underestimated um, truths, um, life lessons, is perseverance. Perseverance in this text means to remain under. It means in a situation instead of looking for a scapegoat or a way out, to remain under the trial and test until it finishes what it was supposed to do? Are you letting perseverance finish? Do you square up to the snakes in your life? Do you, uh, do you approach the thing that's throwing venom at you? Do you lock eyes with it? You ask yourself the question, what am I supposed to learn in this discipline? What am I supposed to learn in this argument? What am I supposed to learn, even when it is venomous, rude, mean, lies, evil? Even when it is venomous, what can you learn and hear out of it? What truth can you gain about who you are and what you're supposed to do? Let me give you some life tip, a life tip. Life tip is this, learn from everything. Learn from everything. Not just Wikipedia, not just your favorite YouTuber that agrees with you, not just that person that wrote that book once and you're like, yes, this book is everything. Thank you. It's good to have you in the room, Haley. Often I'm in, I'm in rooms where Haley, Beth, and Ange are in them and no one laughs at my jokes. So it's good to have you here. Good to have you here, Beth. It's good that someone's on my side as I'm fighting this battle against these other people. I'm just joking. We're all on the same team. Another life tip is this. Don't sit the same test twice. Yes, there'll be another test in year four that looks like the test in year two, but don't just keep on going back to the same thing. Forgive, forgive. If you've been in church for 20 years and are still struggling with forgiveness, why? You should be an expert of it by this point. Oh, but Christians are going to be mean to me. Yeah, yeah. The Bible tells us that the world will know that we are Jesus followers by how we love each other. And man, a major component of love is forgiveness. The longer you go on your journey, the less you should be sitting the same test again. Get your anti venom, baby. Get your meds. Get your pills. Ask yourself the question, the bigger questions. What was I supposed to learn? How was I supposed to grow? Not was I right and were they wrong? But what is the truth in it? I've often seen people have arguments about things. Who's right, who's wrong doesn't matter because the test that they failed was unity. The test that they failed was love. The test that they failed was forgiveness. The test that they failed was kindness. And everyone had their big pants on saying, I know best and I know best. And God just like, wow, this is the weirdest family dinner I've ever been at. I can't wait to move out and go to a different family's dinner because my family's weird and there's always some weird lady that they just find on the side of the road and she comes to the dinner. and I'm confused how she got there and who she even is. And then my one brother brings someone that my other brother hates and is like, Danny's here. And my other brother's like, Danny can die. And it's just this weird dynamic. Okay, we verged into real life testimony there. Uh, can I say to any of our um, single, engaged, potentially one-day-be-married couples, um, some people when they get married, they do like Christmas lunch, a one-families and Christmas dinner. Don't do that. Just do it bi yearly. Don't, you don't need to torture yourself every single year. Just like one dinner, see you next year, and then cycle it out every two years. Life lessons from Pastor Joel. Little life hacks. There you go, little life hack. If you're in this room and your kids are in this room and they stop coming to your house, please write me a letter. I would love to read about it. Ask yourself the question, what can I learn from this situation? How can I grab onto this test, this trial and persevere and be like, what am I supposed to learn? Am I supposed to learn to love? Am I supposed to learn to believe the best instead of what they're saying? Am I supposed to forgive? Am I supposed to knock them down off the pedestal of agreeing with me and loving me and doing everything in their life for me? So that when they hurt me, it's no longer, oh, my gosh, you hurt me. Your existence is supposed to never hurt me. It's supposed to be perfect for me because it's about me. You're in my world. And we should stop and examine the venom. And make sure it doesn't take part, uh, doesn't, doesn't uh, get in ground in our foundations. Because pretty soon it will decay our houses. So venom untreated expands faulty foundations. And venom untreated decays Useful houses. Another way of saying it is anti venom repairs faulty foundations and anti venom heals useful houses. Get some anti venom up in you. If you've got unforgiveness in your heart because a Christian hurt you once, if you do not address it, not go to another Christian, another church, another person, if you don't address it, it will decay your foundation. 100%. I've been in church long enough to sit down with someone that is brand new, that has been in seven different churches before and look them in the eyes and count down the days for them to accuse me of what they accused their last leader or last pastor of. I've done it before. I've been through the rounds and I've done it in my own life. We need to stop and we need to treat the venom that has got on the inside of us. It'll heal us. It'll repair us. It'll stop us from being decayed. Because the snake ain't thinking about you anymore. Stop thinking about them. Fourth thing is this. If we're going to have good foundations, if we're going to have a good, useful house, we need to be quick to listen. Quick to listen. Pay attention. Listen to the voice of God. Pay attention to the Creator. Pay attention to the one who's drawing the plan so that you don't get halfway through the build. And he's like, why have you put a pool in the kitchen? And you're like, I like pools. I want to cook whilst in the water. And he's like, there's some issues here. We need to be stopping. Because all jokes aside, some of us have pools, leisure activities all up in the wrong spots. Some of us don't have a dining room table because we've got so used to sitting at the couch watching TV. And when we're supposed to be inviting and people inclusive in our journey, a Christian journey that just saves you is not a Christian journey. Ta-da! Jesus didn't come to save you, He came to save the world. Ta-da! If your journey just gets you through that tax bill or that Optus bill or that drama, or just that one trip to Bunnings and someone else have a mask and they lick the side of your face and you're like, I'm pretty sure i got it now. I have a little bit of a cough. Church, don't worry. I don't have COVID again. Um, But I went to get tested. I I did have COVID in March. The rumors are true. I went to get tested this week. I I highly recommend it. It's amazing. If you've never had anyone clean the front of your brain before, it is... They put it up there and... They say something like, it's like getting dumped by a wave. I I don't know what that's like. I know what it's like to be dumped by a woman. That's very heartbreaking. (laughs) It was year eight. Her name was Alex Bignall. She was going on a trip to Bali, and she wanted to keep her options open in case she met a Balinese boy. (laughs) Alex Bignall, I do not forgive you. Alex Mitchell, you are my wife. I forgive you. But the best thing is I was in this line for two hours, saw some of you there. That was nice. Um. And I went in and they put me down and they, did that thing and they said, have you ever had this test before? I was like, yeah, I got, I got a positive result. And their eyes lit up with so much fear. And I was like, this is the best. Because in 2541, there are only nine people that have tested positive for COVID. And I know seven. <laughs> I've seen more than the test clinic. Because we're all in a car once in Milton. Funny story, but it was good times. What were you saying? I don't know. James 1 verse 19 um, says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We're not very good at the slow to speak and slow to become angry. I know this because when we're having arguments, there is an overlap in the conversation, You do nothing in this house, Joel. Jeremiah, shut your mouth. That's my son. You thought I was going to be between my my wife. We've never argued before. We are perfect. But we are often quick to speak and quick to become angry about anything we could possibly become angry about. Anything. One of my favorite things is watching videos of just people losing it in public places. I just... Love it. It is just so beautiful to me. Um, Oh, so good. Um, But everyone should be quick to listen. Swift, ready, prompt. Listen means to hear, comprehend, and give audience to. We need to be quick to give audience. We need to be quick to listen. Genesis 22 verse 12 gives us an image in the middle of a story. It says, uh, right before... A father is about to murder his son because God told him to. Genesis 22 verse 12 stops in the, in the middle of it and says, Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. I'm thankful that in this situation that the father was quick to listen Some of us got told once to build something in our house and to be okay with a faulty foundation. And since then, or maybe it's just today, God has placed on your heart and in your head that you need to do something about it. Be quick to listen. Be quick to listen about that addiction that is decaying you. Be quick to listen about that unforgiveness that will destroy you. Be quick to listen about that pride. Just be quick to listen. It doesn't matter for me. Your foundation is not my foundation. Your house is not my house. What you are building for you should matter to you. You should be quick to listen so that you can hear God stopping you to put a pool in front of your TV so that you stay on plan, that you stay useful to what He wants you to do. The Scripture is like just do not, do not do that. Do not kill that boy. Being quick to listen as we conclude, and someone's going to jump up on keys, and it's going to be beautiful actually the band's going to jump up because we're going to finish yeah just someone could jump up on keys Wayne if you could get up there <laughs> Like, bang, duck, duck, down, 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 down. what song would Wayne play I don't know something Madonna deep tracks Madonna oh you're right you okay where are you going um Being quick to listen halts faulty foundations and keeps useful houses on plan and on schedule. Be quick to listen, church. Quick. Ready. So whether it be toxins that are decaying us, whether it be a lack of muscle because we stopped hustling at one point, whether it be this anti-venom that is available yet unused because we've choose to buy into lies or to noise, or whether it is our unwillingness to listen and learn and grow. These things will stop us from being a useful house for the kingdom of God. We will forget that our responsibility is to have a practical purpose for God and for the world. We are supposed to be a place that His presence can live and a place where people can come and encounter heaven. If you don't want faulty foundations, if you don't want to lose the house, all you've got to do is get woke, good English, wake up and be like, okay, God, am I building my life on anything else? Has my house, is it just for me? Has anyone come in? I don't care what your personality is or introvert, extrovert. On every test I'm 92 to 94% introvert. Not an excuse. I don't like people too. If we don't work on the foundations, if we don't be intentional with being a useful house soon, we'll have we'll be left with an empty Christianity empty of God's power and empty of his love. It'll lack his presence and it'll lack the presence of people. And who's to blame? You and I. The ones that are in charge of listening to what he's asking us to do and then putting it on the earth and putting it on the ground. It'll be wise of us to stop today and to consider what we're building our lives on.
0: We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.